Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Everybody awake? Everybody excited to be here? Excited to be in, worship, in God's house one more time? I mean, we can clap for that, right? I mean, it's not, we take for granted that we just get up in the morning and Siri wakes us up, and then we get in our cars, and we come down to the church, and we're here for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And a lot of times we take those things for granted, but I want to remind you this morning that you are here on purpose. You made the decision to come and worship God. You made the decision to come and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You made a decision for God this morning, and that's no small thing. So I've been here before. I won't keep you long, so let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, and we will hear what God has for us today. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, for this morning's early rise, for last night's rest. God, we thank you because you have been better to us than we have been to ourselves. You have planned and purpose for us, God, and, and nothing, no mistake, no sin, no trespass, no transgression can take that away, God. And for that, we thank you. Thank you for giving us another chance. Thank you for not giving up on us, and thank you for still blessing us in spite of. We're all here today, God, gathered to hear a word from you. So speak to us all, Lord, for your servants are listening. It's in the name that is above every name. It's in the name of Jesus that we all pray together. Amen. 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 All right. Found. Oh, is this it? All right found in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 32, uh, beginning at verse 24. The New King James Version captures God's word this way. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I just want to talk for a couple of moments this morning 
about what happened at Peniel. What happened at Peniel? Well, Jacob was a trickster. Ever since he was born, Jacob was in the business of plotting and scheming. In fact, his introduction into the world, we're told that he was already in conflict with his twin brother in the womb. Rebecca's in labor and she delivers the boy she's carrying and Jacob is the one who is grabbing and holding on to the heel of his brother Esau. What starts there is only the beginning, perhaps so happy when I wrote this down and I, as God was giving it to me, I found an early amen because I'm grateful that God does not let us finish where we start. I know somebody can admit you messed up, you made a mistake, my bad, my fault, I'm sorry, it shouldn't have been, but thank God that God does not let you finish where you start. Well, you know this story, Jacob grows up, there are differences between Jacob and his brother Esau. Esau is a skilled hunter, he liked to be outside. Jacob, not so much. Much of his time was spent in the house. His brother Esau was the first one out of the womb, and so he was technically the firstborn. Being the firstborn, Esau was entitled to half of his father's earthly possessions. It was called the birthright. After their father died or in their father's absence, the firstborn son assumed the father's authority. On top of that, the leadership role of the family would now be placed on his shoulders. He would inherit twice as much as his siblings. Jacob didn't like this. Jacob didn't like this one bit at all. So one day the Bible tells us Esau is hungry. And all that time Jacob spent in the house, one of the skills he must have picked up was cooking. He, he makes a stew, and when Esau comes in from outside in the heat, he's famished. He's hungry. He's tired, and he believes that he is going to die if he does not get something to eat. Jacob propositions him here. And he runs his very first game on his brother. He says, I'll tell you what, bro. I'll give you this stew if you sell me your birthright. Esau says, oh, what good is the birthright to me? I'm about to die. Jacob is the one who tricked and exploited his own brother out of something that was rightfully his, the birthright. Before we move from this moment, I want you to know that you too have a birthright. You, you have an inheritance in heaven. You have a father who is in heaven who has plans for your life. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Plans that nobody else has. Don't sell your birthright. Don't trade your birthright for a cheap thrill. Don't trade your birthright for a quick fix. Don't trade your birthright because your birthright sets you apart from people 
in the world. Birthright is the first thing, but Jacob does not stop there. Jacob, with the help of his mother, would eventually develop a plan to swindle his brother Esau out of their father's blessing. One day, Rebecca overhears a conversation between Jacob and Esau. Jacob tells uh, Esau, his son, he's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to die, but before he does, he wants to eat his favorite meal, so to speak. So he tells Esau to go hunting game and prepare for him what he likes. And once he's enjoyed the meal, he's going to bless him. Now, that was a conversation between father and son. However, when Rebecca told Jacob what she heard, she has the bright idea. Jacob's credit, at first he was not initially on board. He offers objection to the swiftly conceived plan. He, he tells his mother, what if my father wants to feel me? My brother Esau is hairy and I am not. If he feels me, he's going to think I'm tricking him and he is going to curse me and not bless me. His mother said, don't worry about that. Let that be on me. You do what I told you to do. He says, okay. Jacob complies and they successfully trick his father into blessing him and as soon as he receives the father's blessing, he slips out the moment Esau walks in. Esau says, I'm back, daddy. Here I am. I got you something to eat. I'm going to go make it for you. And his father says, who are you? Imagine the anxiety Esau must have felt. Imagine the betrayal Esau must have felt. Imagine how Esau felt when his father replies, who are you? By the end of chapter 27, we learn that Esau is going to kill his own brother just as soon as their father dies. Our culture, we, we have phrases like karma, or what goes around comes around. And this was true for Jacob as well. Instead of being the trickster that he usually is, he now becomes tricked by his own father-in-law, Laban. See, Jacob had his eye on a certain somebody who was mighty, mighty good-looking, as the Bible says. Jacob had a thing for Rachel. You ever see uh, your, your, uh, somebody, your, your spouse, or the girl that you like, the guy that you like, and that's all you see. I mean, you got cloudy vision because all you see is their beautiful smile or those big brown eyes or whatever it is you like about that person. You got a thing for that person. Jacob was no different. Jacob had a thing for this woman named Rachel, so much so that he was willing, he told her father that I'll work seven years just to marry her. Seven years I worked to marry Rachel because I got a thing for her. Imagine that at the end of seven years, the excitement and the anticipation of finally being able to say, yes, she is my wife, and, 
And so to speak, he goes to lift the veil up and guess what? It ain't her. On top of that, it's her sister. I don't understand when people say the Bible is not scandalous or it's not juicy enough. Here it is, this man had his eyes on one person and the father tricks him, makes him marry her older sister. You see, Jacob was the one who normally does the tricks, but it's a different feeling when the tricks and the joke is on you. If you ever are in doubt about what to say or what to do in any given situation, ask yourself, how would you respond? How would you handle if somebody said this to your wife, if somebody said this to your husband, to your mother, your father, or your brothers or sisters, how would you respond? Would you appreciate it? Would you say things like, no, that wouldn't happen to me, or no, I wouldn't go for that, or no, I would not let that ride? Maybe, if you don't like being lied to, maybe you shouldn't tell stories yourself. Because the reality is we who are spiritual, we see it as a biblical principle of seed time and harvest. You reap what you sow. Jacob tricked, deceived his brother. The same thing happened to him by his father-in-law. Well, eventually Jacob and Laban are going to be at odds and hate it or love it. Jacob had his father's blessing. God was with Jacob in everything that he did. Laban comes to the conclusion that his livestock and the quality of them was not as good as the livestock of Jacob. Before jealousy kicked in, Jacob was instructed to leave town by God in a dream, no less. He does so, he leaves town that very night and God also spoke to Laban telling him not to say anything good or bad to Jacob. God says, leave Jacob alone. It reminds me of what God initially told Abraham, I will bless those who will bless you. I will curse those who will curse you. Laban presents a question, though. He says, why did you trick me, Jacob, and flee without allowing me to say goodbye to my daughters? He's also saying, and claiming that Jacob, when well, you left, you took something from me. You stole something of mine. Now, Jacob has no idea, nor did he have anything to do with these missing gods that Laban was looking for. He had no idea, but you know who did? That woman that he worked 14 years for. The woman that stole his eyes and had his heart it was Rachel. Rachel has stolen her father's gods with a little g. And she participated, she actively hid it from her father. I want you to notice the, trans, the, 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 the progression of what happens in Jacob's life. Jacob starts off swindling and tricking. Then he gets tricked by his father-in-law. But now he's also married too. And now here it is. A foreign god has gone missing, and the perpetrator is his own wife. And when confronted, she said, no, I can't move, Daddy. Please pardon my seat. I can't get up. I, don't, I can't rise because 
it's that time of the month. She actively lied. What started off with Jacob has now affected those around him. It's affected his family. Here's the, here's the confrontation. Time goes by. But you remember his brother Esau, whom he stole the blessing and the birthright from. Word reaches Jacob that his brother Esau is coming to meet him. Now suffice it to say, he is scared. Your brother Esau is coming to meet you, and on top of that, he's not alone. He's not coming by himself, but he's coming with 400 men. Jacob tries to send gifts to soften the blow. He doesn't know what to expect when he will meet his brother, whom he promised to kill at the end of chapter 27. What is going to happen? He sends gifts. He sends, donkey, he sends oxen, he sends sheep, he sends donkey, he sends male and female servants trying to win favor from his brother. He divides the camp. He says, listen, if Esau comes here and attacks them, at least this camp can get away. There's confrontation coming. Because for the first time in Jacob's life, he must come to grips with what he has done. And more so, his very nature. Jacob, for the first time, is going to come meet his match. It's not his brother. It's not his father-in-law. It's not Laban. It's not his daddy. It's God. Let me pick up the text here. The text says, because uh, the night before he would meet or encounter his brother, Jacob, encountered a man. Verse 24 says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. You see at Peniel, Peniel is where you see God face to face. Peniel is where you come to a place that nobody else can hide. Peniel is the place where you meet God face to face. It's a challenging place to be in, especially for those, if you know, you have not done things that would put a smile on God's face. Peniel is uncomfortable. Peniel is also necessary. See, it's not about how many games you can run or how much stuff you can acquire, but it's about who you are and what you stand for and what you believe in. We live in a society where we want things and we want them with, with a sense of urgency. I want it all. I want it right now. News is instant. One tweet, one post, one news communication. Everything is in the palm of your hand nowadays. You know, the biggest one of them all is social media. Platforms where you place your best images and your best catchphrases online to receive likes and follows. It's unfortunate. But the reality is that you meet a lot of people every day, but you rarely meet real people anymore. See, social media has helped people become so fake and so fancy 
because it allows you the opportunity to present an image of yourself that has nothing to do with who you are. Now more than ever, there's a space or a push in society to try to please people, to try to fit in, to accept everyone and everything, to be a person of influence, to live to be applauded, followed, and liked. Social media consumes our youth. It's taking the attention of adults. I want you to know that God is not impressed by the number of friends you have on Facebook. That God is not impressed by the number of people that follow you on Twitter. God is not impressed with who you portray yourself to be. Because the reality is, when there was no one, there was God. When there was no light, God turned it on. God took from the dust of the earth, he formed man, he blew into his nose, and man became a living being. You see, God, God is omniscient. He's everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. He's um, uh, omnipotent. I mean, he's everlasting. He's eternal. You may impress people with things you put on social media. You may impress people with your skill. You may impress people with your intellect. But when you come to God and when you come to Peniel, there is no impressing God because God is all of that and then some. At Peniel, it's just you and God. This morning, I want to share what happens when you stare God in the face. Peniel is a place where you are exposed. Strip away your comforts. Strip away your image. The things that you justify to yourself and go to the place called Peniel. Peniel forces everyone to make the journey it's not about public image. It's about personal integrity. It's not what people think about us. It's what God knows about us. It's not about what we portray to the crowd, but what we practice in private. The wrestling match begins. Trip to Peniel, it brings to the surface a conflict with God. Somebody just asked the question, why? Why, why, why does... Going to Penny will bring conflict to God. I, I'll tell you why. God is good all the time. We are not. God is holy. We are not. God is right. We're wrong. We are in confrontation with at Peniel because there are parts of our personality, of our character, of our broken nature that doesn't vibe with God. So when we go to Peniel, there's confrontation. There's conflict. But notice Jacob's condition. He, he's alone. And he's wrestling God. No one else can help you. No one else can save you from God. God knows who you are. God knows what you need. He even knows the things that you are too ashamed to admit out loud. God knows. And if we're honest with ourselves this morning about our faults and our inconsistencies, we run the risk of thinking how we act and what we say and do are all good. 
and we run the risk of thinking that we got away with it scot-free. But at Peniel, there's, there's confrontation. At, at Peniel is where God meets us to give us an opportunity to change. He does the same thing with Jacob. Watch this. Verse 25 says, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled him. This is, this is God saying, this, this guy's actually fighting me. I, I, I can't believe it. I heard somebody laugh. You're exactly right. This guy is actually fighting me. I mean, here I am, God, and you are actually fighting me. Now, we read this in 2023 through our lens, and we can all automatically say, look, Jacob, that's not, that's not what you want to do, Jacob. That's, that's not a good idea, Jacob. You don't want to do that, Jacob. Please don't do something else. Tap out, tap out. This morning, we may not be like Jacob wrestling with God in a field, but we can. We may be wrestling with God in our minds. And just like we're yelling at Jacob as we read the story this morning, I'm telling you, stop fighting God. It may not be in a field. It can be in your mind. It may not be in a field like Jacob, but it can be with the words that you use with other people. It may not be in a field like Jacob, but it can be holding on to unforgiveness. Stop fighting God. See, Jacob had to wrestle with everything in him all night long. But watch how, notice how God broke him. You see what the text says? All he did was just touch him. Jacob wrestled with everything that he had inside of him, and all God said, okay, I'm done. Touch. From the moment that God touched him, he was never the same. It's easy for God to break us. All he got to do is touch you. See, God cannot work fully and freely until you stop fighting him. Jacob gets his opportunity because at, at Peniel, there's also blessing too. There's this blessing at Peniel. Watch what he says in verse 26. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. God says, all right, you going to keep fighting me? I'm out of here. I'm, I'm done. I'm gone, Jacob. Jacob responds, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. This for Jacob is a moment of clarity. Jacob's been wrestling with this person all night long, and he finally comes to the clarifying fact that he is not going to win. The more and more I looked at this text and looked at this statement, it became clear that Jacob set this out of desperation. I've been fighting all night long. I'm exhausted. I've, I've done everything I've could, and all he did was touch me and I'm not the same. 
God can touch me and I'll never have the same that I want. If God can touch me and I'm never the same, then I want him to bless me before I let him go. And I thought about that and I wrestled with that as God was giving it to me because what kind of position would you be in when you are overpowered and outmatched? More, time, more times than not, it will be on the ground. I got brothers. I got, I got younger brothers, so I had little brothers. But when I was a lot younger, I would dominate them, right? I used to love wrestling WWE. So we used to wrestle, and we were boys, so we just did WWE stuff. But I would always dominate my brothers, and I would make them tap out. But every time they tapped out, they, the position they were in, they could not move. They recognized that fighting was futile, and they ultimately had to tap out. So the position I think that Jacob was in was one that he could not move. His hip is already sore, and he realizes that he could not move. He could not win. And so he does tap out, but he has a bright idea at least, to, man, before I let him go, man, this guy seems to have the power. He realizes, like you and I ought to, is that God has the truth about us. God has the truth about us, and the truth that God has is better than anything you can order on Amazon. It's better than all the followers you can amass online. It's better because at Peniel, you realize that God has the power, that God has the ability, that God has purpose. And my question then becomes today, how bad do you want it? I'm done. I land the plane here. At Peniel, there's also confrontation. At Peniel, there is clarity. At Peniel, there's blessing, but here comes the change. Watch what he says in verse 27. He says, so he said to him, what's your name? He said, Jacob. He said to him, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob must have felt a sense of shame. Admitting his name was Jacob. With all the associations of deception and cheating, the name Jacob means supplanter. Yet this was who he was. He tricked his brother, stole the birthright, swindled Laban, got tricked by his father-in-law, and now he's wrestling God. At least now he's honest. This is who he was, and Jacob, he had to admit it. Jacob prevailed from the sense that he endured through his struggle until God thoroughly conquered him. You see, when you battle God, when you wrestle God, you only win by losing. The blessing begins with truth. See, God knows who we are inside and out. 
God knows what we are made of. God knows what we stand in need of. And God asked the question to Jacob, what's your name? It's not that God didn't know his name. What God is really saying is, Jacob, who are you? Who are you? I mean, Jacob, really, who are you? Ever since you came out of the womb, you've been a trickster. You've been running game. Who are you? He lied to his daddy. He lied to his brother. He lied to his father-in-law. Now, Jacob, are you going to lie to God? Who are you? From this simple yet powerful question, God gets Jacob to be honest with himself about himself. He gets Jacob to be honest before God. Today I'm asking, who are you? Who are you? Not the smiles you put on your face to make people think that you're their friend. But the gossip you say behind their back. Who are you? Not the grade you got on the test. The cheating you did to get the grade. Not the promotion, the rumors you had to spread to beat the other candidate. Who are you? Here's the transformation. God asked Jacob, what's your name, Jacob? Mm -mm, mm -mm, not anymore. Not anymore. From now on, your name is going to be Israel. The name Israel expresses the concept of wrestling, clinging firmly to God, and overcoming you see, God says, I know you're a liar, Jacob. I know you're a cheat, Jacob. I know the things that you try to hide from everybody else. And still, God has blessing for Jacob. If God has blessing for Jacob, and he's a trickster, he's a liar, he's a swindler, a deceiver, and God still blessed him. God said, listen, all right, you're not going to be that anymore. Your name from now on is going to be Israel. If God had that in store for Jacob, think about all the possibilities God has in store for you and I. With all of our faults and our our inconsistencies, all our infirmities, all our weaknesses, treasure wrapped in trash. And yet, when you go to Peniel, God still has blessing for you. See, I know a place where confrontation turns into revelation. I know a place where fear and fatigue turn into blessing. I know a place where you encounter God. This place is called Peniel. I know a place that should you take this trip when you return, you'll never be the same because you had an encounter with God. As a matter of fact, like Jacob, I know a man who can change your life. I know a man who has the power to bless you. I know a man that even if you touch the hem of his garment, you will be healed. I know a man who knows what it's like to be lied on. 
I know a man who knows what it's like to be deceived. I know a man who knows what it's like to be tricked. I know a man who knows what it's like to deal with sinful people. And although he was around sin, I know a man who knew no sin. I know a man who performed miracles that healed the sick, that raised the dead, that made the lame walk. I know a man who declared freedom to the captives. I know a man who turned water into wine, who walked on water, who when the seas got out of control, he got up and said, peace, be still, and they were still. I know a man. I know a man that they mistreated. I know a man that was beaten, whipped, mocked. I know a man that was nailed to a cross. I know a man who wore a crown of thorns. I know a man that they watched him hang on this cross for hours. They pierced him in his side. They took his body down. They wrapped him up. They put him in a borrowed tomb. I know a man. That after all that happened, he still could not be contained. See, death couldn't beat him. The devil couldn't conquer him. The grave couldn't keep him down. Satan couldn't tempt him. Rome tried to kill him, but they couldn't. Because three days later, everybody went to the tomb and it was empty. You see, I know a man that can take your sin, our sin, our trespasses, our transgressions, our problems, our cares, and turn them to work everything together for good. The place I am talking about is Peniel. The man I am talking about is Jesus. You see, I know a man, not just what I read in the Bible. I know a man who healed my body. I know a man who made ways out of no ways. I know a man who stayed, gave me enough grace to stay up and study for the test. I know a man. But we have to be honest and truthful with ourselves before him. And this is what happens at Peniel. See, at Peniel is where you meet God face to face. At Peniel, there is confrontation because our human nature doesn't vibe with God all the time. At Peniel, there is also clarity because when you come to Peniel, you recognize that God is the source of your strength. God is the way maker. He's the problem fixer. He's the heart solver. He is the wiper of the tears. God is everything. And at Peniel, there is blessings. There's blessings because Jacob, God says, who are you? What's your name? And then he changes your very nature. He changes what the world may say about you. And he decides to work it together for your good. He turns something that is negative. Your name, Jacob, supplanter. 
trickster, deceiver. I'm going to change it. And ever since the beginning of this Bible, we've always said the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. After the deceit, after the trickery, God still was faithful. Whatever you're wrestling with God about, tap out. Trust God. Because at the end, God does have the very best plans for your life. Amen? Amen. I'm done. Let me, let me pray. God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, because you have been better to us than we have been to ourselves. For reminding us of what a trip to Peniel looks like. That when we go to Peniel, God, we can come to know that you, Father, have plans for us, that you can change our lives around, can change our situations, our problems, our struggles. You can change them around, God, if we just submit to you. So, God, somebody in here today under the sound of my voice is wrestling, wrestling with a decision, wrestling with a lifestyle, wrestling with a choice that needs to be made. God, I pray that we turn it over to you. And trust you, Father, because you have the best plan for our lives. And you can take what the enemy means for evil and turn it for our good. God, you've been so good to us. You've been so faithful. God, that we just want to say hallelujah. That you receive our praise, that you receive our worship. Because... God, you are worthy. You're holy and we're not, God. But the fact that you still have plans for us, that you still want to prosper us, that you still care and love us. God, all we can say is hallelujah. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to come to Peniel, to wrestle with our flesh versus our spirit. But God... We are reminded that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So God, help us in our wrestling matches. We thank you. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus that the church said together, amen. Amen.